Counter the latest internet sensation. Nine. We are YOLO. Can I say hi? Hi. Seven. I think we need to stick to a plan. Six. I just got bitten by a bullet. I don't even think Five. I have to react to that one. This Four. is Triple M's Summer Breakfast. With Seth Costello and Lawrence Murray. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you too, Seb. It's been uh, great and it's come to an end. This is our final show ever yes. <laughs> for summer breakfast at least. And I've got to say to you, I was wrong. You know, sometimes you pigeonhole a person. You think you know them. You, you make presumptions about them. And I've been ragging on you for being driven around the countryside by your chauffeur Jeeves. And it turns out that you drive yourself around <laughs> in a Mazda 3. Mm. And it is the filthiest car <laughs> I've ever had the misfortune of dragging my sorry body into. This is actually true. This is what a wrong, what a putrid. You've got some third world issues in that car. This is the thanks I get <laughs> for giving you a lift into the city so you could go Christmas shopping with your daughter. Yes. You know what he said? So, yes, uh, so Lawrence approaches me after the program, says, hey, where you're going? I said, I can drop you wherever you like. So we walk out of the station, we open the door, there's a few pieces of rubbish. Cut, there's and- a few pieces of cutlery fall out of your car first into the filthy gutter. Well, and you said, I don't know whether I can be bothered picking those up. And I said, you cannot be seen to be leaving cutlery around. <laughs> and then, and then, well, no, I suppose not. But then I'm all full of goodwill. And the first thing Moon Man says as he takes a look at the passenger seat is, do you need somewhere to stay? Yeah, there is clothes, there's sporting equipment, there's food. It's like there's an office system going on in there. And I know what you're doing. I know the, you, the message you're sending to the world is I'm too busy. I'm, I've got too much going on. See, I can't even clean my car. So it's a good excuse. It's like, look at my car. It's too filthy. Obviously, I haven't got enough time to do whatever you want me to do. I know the message you're trying to send to the world, mm. and it's working. Yeah, well, yeah. Good thing you didn't look too closely at the seat because it wasn't in great condition. <laughs> no, I did. I I was, did. <laughs> it's like you've spilt a lot of things on that seat. Sunscreen. Uh, the um, I, I was a bit worried about the fork, though. You're quite right. I opened the door, and a fork fell into the gutter, mm. fully submerged under dank sewer water. And I thought I'd love to leave that fork there because I have no need for the fork anymore. But someone will see you. You'll be. You'll end up on social media. Oh, Seb Costello can just throw cutlery around, <laughs> yeah, that's born it. with a silver spoon or something of that nature. Seb but- tells South Melbourne to get forked. Exactly. <laughs> so nice. I had to get like a little envelope and get down into the sewer and retrieve the fork, and which I ended up throwing in the bin anyway. Mm. Should have left the fork on the seat to prick you in the buttocks for this ungratefulness you displayed. I've just got to say sorry because I I had you pegged as a man that had a chauffeur, but uh, clearly not. (laughs) It's the opposite end of the scale. Sparing a thought right now for anybody who may well be out and about having gone to a late night or 24-hour shop-a-thon in the lead-up to Christmas, because that is a tough gig. It is a tough gig indeed, and uh, you've got to look after yourself this time of year. There are people out there looking after us, and that is our ambos and paramedics. And I've got to say, there's a disturbing story that uh, uh, is going around today and uh, I've seen you know the last week and that is people attacking ambulance drivers or paramedics when they turn up to uh, render assistance to people and I just think that it's just so unjust that these you know guardian angels these knights in shining armor both men and women that turn up to uh, look after somebody can then be attacked by bystanders or a partner or the person themselves and uh I don't know how exactly, you know, you go about stopping it, I guess, increasing penalties, but um, it's just uh, terrible that somebody who is out there trying to do the right thing by humanity gets attacked. I'm just wondering whether anyone has ever seen anything like that, whether they've come to the defence of the ambulance officers or whether you've got, you know, first-hand uh, witness, eyewitness accounts of, of ambulance officers being attacked. Give us a call if you have, one triple three five three. because I just think it's just a disgrace. Mm, no, not good. And all too common, as you say, I think, you know, the uh, the ice epidemic, whatever you want to call it, has a lot to do with it. Immediately you, you think ice, don't you? You do, yeah. I mean, if, you know, because I'm sure members of the public would be calling to see somebody in distress. And then when the ambos get there to deal with it, that person's brain isn't quite being wired the right way. Earlier in the year, some pretty concerning stats were released in relation to attacks on paramedics in Victoria. There was a 69% increase over a five-year period to 2015. In the financial year 2013 to 2014, there was 314 
examples, reported examples of attacks on paramedics. So almost one a day. It's That's a lot. And you would think that it's probably, you know, motivated by drugs or alcohol most of the time or, you know, psychological illness. Just last week, a disturbing report about a, a Queensland paramedic being attacked in the back of an ambulance by somebody that he was giving assistance to. Not good. Susan, did you used to be a paramedic? Yes, I certainly did. Were you ever attacked or did you see an example of this sort of aggression? Uh, was, look, verbal attack is really, really common. Um, but yes, personally attacked, um, sat on, um, hit, and, you know, the final, I guess, last trial for when I actually decided enough was enough was the a siege situation that saw my partner and I, um, you know, fearing for our lives. So, yes, it was enough. And that was what pushed you out of the service? Well, it was it was not the only reason, but it was certainly um, an instance that left me with some time off work and a, and a bit of, um, I guess, psychosocial problems for a while. Um, and when the opportunity came up, it certainly played a part in me saying, you know, after 16 years, I've had enough. Well, Susan, thanks for calling. Hang on the line there. If there's anything we can do to help, absolutely let us know because you shouldn't. Have, no one should have to put up with that at work, let alone people who are there to try and keep you safe. And I know that Tony Walker, who's the Acting Chief Executive Officer of Ambulance Victoria, has been very strong on this in the past. I've been to press conferences where he's made it very clear that this sort of thing will not be tolerated. And I guess I say to Ambos, first of all, if this does happen, it's not okay. Make sure you report it mm. so authorities can get in and investigate and prosecute those responsible. What is the end game here, though, Seb? Do you en- do we end up with armed ambulance officers? Mm. Well, I suppose they team up with the police, don't they? And you, you'd hope the police would get there. But, yeah, I mean, you, you, you cannot have ambulance officers who are there to do very important work coming under threat. Let's get into the cricket, Moon Man, because Scotty Boland... The man out of Frankston Peninsula, down there in the mighty southeast of Melbourne, mm. on the beautiful Port Phillip Bay, has been selected into the squad, as we know, and you know could see action this summer should we have injuries. And well done to Scotty Boland, been toiling away and doing well for Victoria. If you go back to that big win against Western Australia back in November, he took seven for 31. So I've been knocking off wickets regularly in the Sheffield Shield, and yesterday confronted the media to celebrate this elevation. I can't wait for to get into the setup and, and start training and, and meet everyone and, and all that stuff. So, um, yeah, it, is, it will be a dream come true if it does happen. So if it does happen this summer, then um, that'd be awesome. But if you'll have to wait, then I'm happy to wait. And what a dream it would be for a Melbourne-raised boy to be steaming in from the members' end on Boxing Day. Mm. What a great thing to be able to do. So good luck to you, Scotty. Yeah, I don't think Josh Hazelwood is going to take that rest that everybody seems to think he needs because he's going great. Sids is there. I think they'll be all right. But if Scotty Boland wants to get a call, that'd be great. We should ask Nathan Lyon about this, who is joining us later in the morning. It's very exciting to have Nathan in. It's good, isn't it? Yeah, I I watched his tremendous effort uh, in the second test last year when he mopped up the Indians in the uh, the final over. Uh, I was watching it on the big screen out the back, not live, but uh, what a tremendous effort it was. A few jars, was it? Or? Yeah, a yeah. couple of plastics. That's all right. Mm. That's fine. That's the way they do. That's the way they roll in Adelaide. It's very much like the spring racing carnival there. Test. Yeah, they've got like a Everyone marquee, dr- gets yeah. dressed up. It's... Dressed up to the nines, it's lovely stuff. Mm. And, uh, of course, took five for in the Big Bash League the other night. So, well done to Gary Lyon. He's going well. Hobart Hurricanes had a... Gary Lyon. Yes. <laughs> it's the nickname. Okay. Yeah. Oh, you think I slipped. No, no, no. Is, is it not? Hyphen, you are an expert when it comes to nicknames. I is believe it not his nickname? teammates call him Gary, yes. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Exactly. They don't call him Gary <laughs> Lyon, they just call him Gary. Well... Oh, so what, you can't put the two together? No, because that's, that's a different is that, person. Is that that's illegal? That's a different person. Yeah, so. not, oh, yeah, okay. So it's well, it's a bit like Bono, is it? It's a singular name. You can't separate the two. Well, yeah. Hmm. Hobart Hurricanes. Don't, don't, <laughs> don't drop the lip and feel all chided. No, we're, no, no. We're helping here. We're oh, your friends. No, no, no. I know. But when somebody wants to put in ridiculous rules and slow you know, the conversation here. Okay. We've spent 30 seconds not talking about sport because we're this peanut about... over here wants to talk about <laughs> nickname etiquette. We're talking, yeah, but he's, his nickname is Gary, so you can't just go, Nathan Lyon, Gary. You don't call him Gary Lyon. Well, who are you talking about then? 
if you're just going to randomly say the word Gary on the radio, how are people supposed people to know who you're know talking who, about? Exactly. No, who they don't, about. Lawrence Mooney. They don't. So I put Lyon so people know that we are talking about Nathan Lyon. Okay. No, then they think you're talking I'm about Gary to be Lyon. Clear. This isn't community radio, hyphen. Try we, and keep up. We have stopped it down pretty badly in the middle of overnight sport. The Hobart Hurricanes have recorded their first win of the BBL season after they beat the Heat by 20 runs in Hobart last night. Big crowd, which was good. The Hurricanes knocked up three for 184 before restricting the visitors to eight for 164. Tim Payne with 87 not out. Kumar Sangakkara with a helpful 43. I reckon this has now become one of the, well, probably the premier T20 uh, franchise tournament in the world. The, the quality of the players coming through, the format of it, the crowds coming in, and then really that fan base support and the connect between the players. I think that's outstanding. And congratulations also go to uh, Danny White and the Renegades in the WBBL for their chalking up their first win too. Uh, day before yesterday, I think it was. They so are going well. They are going well. I'm very Your excited. Player. Mm. And uh, Dan- I've been following Danny on Twitter, and uh, she's been getting around town on a blue bike. So look out for her. Somebody's been using the bike hire scheme. Yes, yeah, somebody. That's good news. And uh, it turns out that it's an English woman come over here to play cricket for us. So <laughs> it's right. going well. We'll take it. Bit of money for the city of Melbourne. While we're on the MMM Hot Breakfast Twitter, though, I just would like to read Ayesh, who says, to say Gary Lyon is fine, you, meaning me, meaning Seb, we're not wrong to say that. In reference to Nathan Lyon's nickname. Correct. Because uh, Hyfe... There you... is there is an issue with that tweet, though. He mm-hmm. spelled Gary wrong, so... Right, didn't put the double R no. in. which is... Highly I think, why can't you mention a man's last name after his nickname? Because that those two names together form the name of another person. Yeah, so another you, high profile. But that person. is why the nickname exists. But the yeah, nickname, but I, the I nickname think is nick- just Gary. Yeah, so you'd say Nathan Lyon will be in, so we'll be but speaking hang on, to hang Gary. on, hang on. The, the whole point of the nickname existing is to uh, the nickname exists because of the surname. That's where it comes from. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, so you are explaining adult. to those unfamiliar with the nickname why it exists. No, but you're not. You're I, referring I, to a different person. But I think that what they... in a conversation about cricket. Yes. Okay, you two just but break for it instance, up. All right, for back Ricky to Ponting, you. punter. You don't say punter Ponting. You say Tubby Taylor. You say Sticks Kernahan. Nicknames and surnames can go hand in hand. Beefy Botham. <laughs> He's got a few good examples. Long pause. <laughs> game <laughs> over. Seb wins. Triple M. <laughs> Dustin Martin has uh, been cleared, Martin. cleared by police. Well, let's not make light of that situation. Well, we're not making light of it. No, I think well, he I should. I think calling it, him Chopsticks well, Martin no, is a bit. It's not making light of it. It's top. given a moniker to remind him of what a tool he was to well, threaten okay. somebody with a chopstick. If that's the case, then I agree with you. His name is Chopsticks Martin. He has been cleared by the police in this investigation, mm. but the AFL and the Richmond Football Club will continue to look into it. One triple three five three. Should Dustin Martin be suspended by Richmond as a result of what happened? It began, of course, on Channel Seven. Tracy, who was the woman who was in the restaurant with Dustin on the evening, made the initial complaint. Here's what she had to say: I noticed a rather inebriated. Dustin Martin sitting at the bar, drinking shots in and out of the bathroom. He reacted extremely angrily, very, very agitated, began swearing at me, standing over me physically. It was extremely intimidating. Physically stood over me, held a chopstick above my head and threatened to stab me in the face with a chopstick. And he said, you're going to double me? And I said, well, I will be calling the club on Monday, to which he reacted by slamming his hand next to me, next to my head, into the wall which at that point was obviously extremely terrifying. Footballers are something that young kids look up to, especially young boys. And if we're going to condone that kind of behaviour, what, what sort of message does that give? So, yes, the police have found that there will be no uh, charges to answer, but like you said, the AFL and Richmond are still yet to bring down any punitive measure against Dustin Chopsticks Martin. Now, it's interesting that when the police went to Mr Miyagi, there was a problem with the CCTV footage and they couldn't find the CCTV footage for that particular part of the restaurant weirdly had uh, failed to activate that night, Mm. which uh, also left the police without much evidence. And then there were conflicting stories from within the restaurant. Some people had seen one thing, others had seen something else. So they obviously couldn't press charges. I reckon a suspension is certainly appropriate. I mean, if nothing under what happened... 
Well, I said on the day that sitting out the NAB Cup would be appropriate. I'm happy to go even further and see him lose a premiership game or two. If nothing wrong happened, why did he apologise hours after it occurred, hours after the complaint was made? I mean, obviously something has happened there that, that deserves to be punished. Well, you know, sometimes we behave poorly by our own standard. Mm. You wake up and in the harsh light of day, you think, wow, I was affected by alcohol or whatever. Mm. And uh, I've... I've treated somebody else poorly, so mm. I think I should apologise. So maybe he's fronted up and done the right thing there. Yeah, no, absolutely. But I'm saying that the behaviour was such that he felt that was necessary. From that, we glean that the behaviour was inappropriate for somebody who is representing the Richmond Football Club and that the football club should send a strong message that that behaviour is, in fact, inappropriate. So when are they going to do that? Mm. You would think that maybe they should mop it up before the end of the year. They have waited. I guess they were waiting for the police investigation, but, you know, they could have moved a bit earlier. Mick's on the line from Mount Martha. Mick, the cops have cleared Dustin Martin, but what should the club do? I don't think they should suspend him, mate. I think there's probably two sides to every story. Not probably, there's definitely two sides to every story. And um, they probably need to look closer and investigate the, the woman. The word on the street is uh, she was up to no good. Well, that's a ridiculous thing to say, Mick, because word on the street when you're sliding somebody like that just isn't good enough. But look, you're entitled to your opinion and we'll go to Trav. <laughs> what are you looking at? Trav at Tullamarine. Well, thanks for calling in, Mick. Uh, <laughs> no, but no, you can't just... just get on and say word on the street is this woman's done something wrong. Okay. I know the girl. She took the complaint seriously. She decided to make it public and I'm not going to sit here and hear somebody, you know, deliver quote unquote word on the street about somebody I know. So, yeah, unfounded. Let's move on. Mm. Tullamarine, Trav, what do you reckon? Yeah, hey, boys, that'd be interesting in court, wouldn't it? Judge stands up. Look, guys, the word on the street is this. So <laughs> yeah. this is what I found. Yeah, yeah, yeah Sorry. Exactly. <laughs> this is what I'm hearing. Mm. Yeah, um, I don't, I don't no, know whether look, you can take word on the street down to forensics. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't go too far. Now, look, um, I, I, the thing that gets me is well, we've been pretty big on this against uh, women's violence for uh, quite a few years now. Mm. And the message is trying to be set pretty strong. Now, regardless on how aggressive he was to the woman, regardless his actions were, it is just an absolutely horrible look for the game. It's not good for kids. It's not good for young men. And I think the book needs to be thrown at him to set the example, to say, we don't care who you are in the community. Um, this is not going to be uh, tolerated at all. So, and, I, um, Yeah, I think uh, that's a good point, Trav. So that... Uh there's a they're setting a standard way and above what's acceptable in the community, and they're seen as a gold standard. I agree with you, Trav. I think I think I think there'd be a lot to gain by sending a message that what Dustin Martin did or the incident that occurred was a bad look and is something that you know footballers shouldn't even be going near. Now, now whether you know, obviously, police don't think a criminal offence occurred. But at the end of the day, we're talking about a footballer who had a long day after a music festival in an altercation with a young woman who has found what he did inappropriate, and that's not a good look for anybody. And, you know, saying that she was extremely intimidated is probably enough mm. for the AFL or Richmond to act. Todd from Deer Park, what do you reckon? He definitely shouldn't be penalised by the club at all. There's been a bit of a precedent been set last year. He's been found not guilty of any charge whatsoever. He got Luke Hodge last year, got found actually breaking the law, and he never got any games at all. The guy was out partying with friends. I think she went up to him and told him to pull his head in. If, uh, me and a couple of my mates were at the bar, tattoo next, six foot four. We were having a bit of a party and carrying on a bit. I guarantee if we were an AFL footballer, she wouldn't have gone up and said a word to us. She probably would have just left. Well, Toddy, appreciate your call, and you know I'm sure there are others who would agree with you. And one triple three five three, you can say whatever you like. So thanks for your call, Toddy. To Heath at Craigieburn. G'day, guys. How are you going? Very well, mate. Fire away. What do you think about uh, Dusty? Should the club look at a suspension? No. Look, my my personal opinion would be to fine him. That would hurt him more than missing the, you know missing one or two games because he can just go away and do what he wants. You know what I mean? I reckon you're right there, Heath. Uh, hit him where it hurts. Exactly right. In the back hip pocket. And that's where, you know, most footballers, they're getting a lot of money. So... Why not, instead of spending, suspending them from the club, uh, just hit them, you know, with a $300,000 fine or something? Heath, appreciate your call. And to Darren down in Geelong, it's a, what it's do you a reckon? steep fine, $300,000. <laughs> it's a lot of... <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's tough, Heath. That is a big fine for, for one night out. Hey, Darren. 
Yeah, I don't think anyone's in a in a position to comment. I think the clubs and the AFL have a job to do. Dusty, I'm a Tiger supporter. He's obviously done something that's the wrong thing, but to what degree, I don't think anyone except the clubs and the AFL have a position to comment on until they've done their due course. You're a Tiger um, man, Des. KB said he should get a year. What did you make of that? Oh, I think KB's a bit of a dinosaur and, and was probably a bit out of line with that comment. I think he's definitely got something coming his way, young Dusty, and but I don't think this degree of media speculation, scrutiny from public, from people who don't have a clue is doing Dusty or the girl any good. Well, the girl did take the complaint to the media in the first place. So, you know, I think that's why the public debate has followed. But, yeah, look, you're right. The the people who are best in a position to comment on it are, in fact, those who investigated, Jerry Ryan and the AFL Integrity Unit and the detectives at Stonington. So thanks very much for your call, Darren. Um, <laughs> I think Darren's gone. Are you there, that? Yep, he's gone. So, uh, would uh, of course, there's not much time left in the year to you wouldn't deliver some some bad news on Christmas Eve, would you? Yeah, so it's going to well. carry on now till 2016. Assistant Commissioner Doug Fryer is with us. He's in charge of road policing and making sure the lives lost in our roads are at an absolute minimum. Particularly important with the lead into Christmas morning, Doug. Good morning, Seb. Thanks for having me on the program. G'day, Doug. Operation Roadwise is what you're doing at the moment, throwing all the resources at making sure people are doing the right thing on the roads. How's it all going? Now, we've been at this since the 13th of December and we'll go through to the 3rd of January. Uh, Already we've got 380 drug drivers, uh, uh, sorry, drink drivers and 220 uh, drug drivers at a strike rate of 1 in 11. Uh, That should be concerning for everyone. Uh, Over 1,000 people for unregistered uh, vehicles, and about 800 for unlicensed disqualified driving. So a lot of people out there doing the wrong thing. So there isn't, I mean, you know, one product's legal, one's not, and yet there isn't an, an you know, enormous mm. discrepancy between those two figures, really, what, a couple of, about 100 or so? Yeah, so our strike rate for drink driving at the moment is one in 400. Uh, our drug driving is one in 11, so, and we're testing for ice, um, for Amphet, for ecstasy, for cannabis. So this is a real concern. We've picked up a... A mum with her six-month-old in the back seat testing positive for ice. So we're getting some really disturbing uh, figures come through. And just out of interest, and I know maybe this is a bit of a sidebar, but you know, if you do, you are obviously looking at it as a driving offence when you pick up somebody drug driving. Do you ever sort of pass it on? Does it become a drug investigation? Like, are there other charges, or do you just get a a, a driving infringement in that situation? So. Uh, Lawrence and said what this is about is really around separating the behaviours. So we really don't want to have the moral debate around illicit drug use. We know mm. that people are using illicit drugs. It's around separating that behaviour from driving. Uh, the two just simply don't mix, as, as alcohol and driving don't mix. But they need to separate the behaviours and the community need to get that. And I think that's quite evolved, just to say you, you can make your choices about your lifestyle and what you do. Just don't mix it with driving. You will notice, Doug, that I've been incredibly quiet so far during this segment because... I am, of course, an offender. I've lost my licence. Uh, tell us the role that speeding plays in, in you know, this time of year and the dangers and, of course, the tragedies. You know, we know that um, every five kilometres over the uh, legal speed limit doubles the chance of, a, of an accident or a crash. So, and you're right, Lawrence, we know that you got pinged at a, an excessive speed. You did your licence for 12 months. You had your car impounded and off doing a safe driving course. And mm-hmm. I think... You're really an example. You, you got away with it. And when I say that, you got away with not killing someone. And so that sort of uh, high-level speed we know is when um, fatals happen. So I think that you coming out saying and acknowledging that you made a mistake is probably a, a signal to many people that they need to slow down. And really, they just need to plan on how to get to A to B safely in one piece. Yeah, and uh, don't let it be, uh, you know, well, in my case, a court case, but... Uh, you know, it's injuring somebody else or killing somebody else that uh, is the wake-up call. It's uh, it's not safe to speed. What's some of the worst stuff you've seen this year on the roads? Seb, we've had some shockers. We really have. Uh, at the start of this year, we had uh, a male driver. He's 29 years old. He tested, uh, I kid you not, 0.563 for what? blood alcohol content. Ten, over 10 times the legal over limit. Over 10 times. Like most people would be dead at that, 0.563. Well and truly. Uh, we had a 47-year-old female at 0.42. Um, routinely, even in Operation Roadwise in the last couple of days, we pinged one of the uh, drivers up in uh, Toon Gabby at 191 kilometres an hour. Wow. Um, we've had a 39-year-old in the last couple of days at 0.24. So any reading now over um, 0.1, vehicles get impounded for a month. 
Uh, so that's a really good bit of legislation and it, and it takes that risk off the road immediately. We're talking to Assistant Commissioner Doug Fryer in charge of road policing. We're going into that holiday period, Christmas only days away now in the new year. So, you know, what do you want people to be thinking about? Here's the thing, Seb. This is, we know that there are people out there that will continue to drug and drink, drive and speed. So my message isn't for them. Uh, my message is for their mates. Uh, it is the Australian way to look after your mates. Most of these people who are on the Terps are drinking with someone that they know. And I want those people to step up and do something or say something. So if they uh, see their friends that are tired or angry or distressed or, or under the influence, they need to really step up and do something about it and make sure they don't get in that car. Mm. Keep them off the road. Keep them off the road. Keep in mind. Absolutely. Well, Doug, strength to your arm. Good uh, best wishes over the summer period. I know you'll be working through, especially when you know, the lives lost figure does get finalised on, uh, on January 1st next year. And that is the brutal side of it, isn't it? It's lives. Every, every lives lost is a piece of the community puzzle that we can never put back. So, and I'll maintain that zero is possible and it's what we should all focus on because none of us want to lose one of our loved ones. That's what we're aiming for. Doug Fryer, thanks for coming in. Can I thank Triple M for their support and leadership over uh, the reduction of road trauma. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Happy yeah. Christmas to you, Doug. Merry Christmas. Absolutely. Well said. Spare a thought for the people at Castle Towers in Sydney, <laughs> which is oh. out west, sort of north of Parramatta where it took three hours to get out of the car park yesterday as a result of the Christmas rush. This did my head in when I heard it. I, I wasn't even in that Christmas rush, and I just got anxious, and then I got angry. I abandoned my car mentally, not that I've got a licence. Imagine um, that, though. Just imagine. Three hours. I mean, that's the length of an AFL football game with breaks. You know, you're sitting there. If you needed to go to the bathroom. I mean, I've been known to go out with the petrol bar really quite close to the light. Mm. What if you didn't have enough petrol to get you through three hours to get out of the car park? Mind you, you could go to the bathroom in your Mazda 3. It is in such a disgraceful <laughs> condition inside and no one would notice. It doesn't smell bad though. <laughs> no, it didn't smell bad. Mm. Yeah. So that is a point. But uh, I'm just wondering, what is the worst car park in Melbourne to mm. get out of? I, everyone talks about the MCG after the footy, but that's just because of the you know, weight of numbers and and traffic. Tell but you what I reckon the best is, Shopo up uh, Westfield Doncaster. Right. You know, and don't get me wrong, it can be pretty nasty as well. But for a big shopping centre in Melbourne, it actually generally runs pretty well. Mm. And you don't have to, I think it's two or three hours is free. The first two or three hours is free, which is pretty unusual given some of the gouging we see around town. Yeah, Chatty too uh, has a couple of you know, major exits and entrances. Mm -hmm. So I haven't experienced too bad a traffic snarl in Chatty. The well, only thing is everyone's trying to get the undercover park. Yeah. No one wants to sit in the sun. No way. Well, speaking of Chatty, in about 26 minutes, the 34-hour trade starts. You're so it guilty. goes from 8am basically all the way through, I think, to 6pm on Christmas Eve. So... If you are heading out there, feel free to give us a call. Reports from the trenches of anyone who's doing their Christmas shopping, one triple three five three, or at Twitter, at MMM Hot Breakfast. And just the fact that it's a shopping marathon is like a tractor beam. Yeah. It just gets you, you'll be sucked towards Chatty inextricably. You <laughs> won't be able to get out of it. It's kind of like gravitational pull. It really is the Death Star, isn't it? And it just pulls the other. Yeah, you'll be in there. There'll be other shopping Wookiees just wandering around. <laughs> Off the back of the Castle Towers in Sydney, taking three hours to exit the car park. We need some reports from the trenches of Melbourne when it mm. comes to Christmas shopping. Steve, uh, you've given us a call, mate. I understand you're at Chatty. Yes, I, I'm working on the roof at the moment. There's, uh, <laughs> at this stage, there's plenty of car parks, but uh, it can go pretty quickly. That's going to change pretty soon. Have you seen any? <laughs> have you seen just any people lose it? This Christmas yet, Steve? <laughs> no, no, no. I haven't. They've been everyone's been on their best behaviour. The car park actually the etiquette's pretty good. Mm. Um, but I couldn't speak for after you know tomorrow morning or for later this afternoon. I don't think that'll be the case. <laughs> now, Steve, you're out there working, so it's uh, it's yes. not pleasure. It's work. What time do you knock off today? Oh, hopefully by about ten thirty or eleven this morning. Right, so the flood will have started by then. The influx. by then, most definitely, yes, yeah. The build-up is starting. Mm. We'll yep. enjoy it. Well, keep the calls coming. Thanks, Steve. One triple three five three is the number. Have a merry, merry Christmas, Stevie, and good luck to everyone with their shopping still to do. Joining us, the legend himself, Olympian, world champion, Danny Green. Good morning. 
Good morning, boys. How are you? Mate, how's the back? You had to pull out of the last fight, of course, with back issues. It must have been annoying for you. How are you feeling now? Yeah, it's still pretty tender, Seb. I haven't, um, haven't had actually been able to train and um, since then, and it's probably another uh, maybe three or four weeks off before I can train again. And had to pull out of the Sydney to Hobart boat race, which is um, fairly frustrating because uh, my mates on Royal are looking to take it out again this year. They took it out in 2012 and uh, I missed out on that. So it's kind of frustrating. But one good thing is I guess I'll be spending a, uh, just a quiet Christmas at home with the fr- family and friends, just relaxing. But uh, yeah, still pretty tender, Seb. Uh, Danny, there's a, a potential matchup between you and Sonny Bill Williams being touted. Uh, how likely is that to go ahead? Oh look, it was um you know it was kind of in the papers uh, over the weekend and and look I, I merely answered the uh, the call and, and answered a couple of questions from from a reporter who asked the question. We were, were originally talking about obviously the rematch of myself on Monday mm. and then the the question of uh, Sonny B. Williams came up, so I just answered a couple of questions and then the next thing you know it's a it's a it's a it's, it's a, a done deal. story and, and it's it's a, you know we're fighting and I challenged Sonny B. Williams, which wasn't the case. We were talking about the rematch on Monday. And look, we spoke about this with Coda Nasser about a year ago, and we've had a few talks since then. And it's not out of um, it's not out of uh, out of I guess the question. It's kind of a it's a, it's a it's an exciting fight because it doesn't really make sense in the fact that he's such a big monster. Yeah. I'm a smaller guy, and I'm 43 next year, and he's at the prime of his physical career, and and he's just such a machine and such an incredible athlete. And he's had a couple of fights, and he's actually. He's equipped himself pretty well, um, and it's a bit of a David V. Goliath story. Can the, can the, the smaller, older, you know, legitimate world champion boxer beat this machine? Who's a uh, you know a much bigger, stronger, uh, athletic guy who's at the peak of his physical career? Kind of you know that's that's where it really arose from, and, and we've had a few talks, and uh, that's where it's at. He is the master, Greeny. Says it's not going to happen, and then talks it up to sound like the most interesting matchup we could possibly <laughs> find in Australian boxing. Very nice, Greeny. Now it is Christmas; it's the time for giving. Are you going to give your old mate Anthony Mundine another chance at the Green Machine? Ah, uh, look, you know it's it's kind of it's it's been on the cards for for nearly. It's, look, next year is ten years, and so May May seventeen next year is ten years, boys, and the fight took place. Um, as we saw, he got uh, he got pumped in his last fight pretty badly. So there's nowhere there's, there's no room for for him to go. It's, he has no options if he's going to ring. Let's let's put it mildly. We're, we're prize fighters. We we fight to get paid. As you guys do, get up in the morning early, go to work. That's what you do, do for a job, and uh, that's what we do. So you want to take the fight that's going to give you the best the best payday. And that's the only fight that's out there for him um, that anyone's going to pay to see. And not only just anyone's going to pay to see, I guess it's a fight that people have been asking both of us for, for nearly 10 years to, to do. And uh, I think if he's going to fight again, there is only one option for him, that's to fight me. Did you shed a tear when you saw him get knocked about a bit by Charles Hatley? Uh, yeah, because yeah, well, I, I did a little bit because I thought, man, <laughs> that should be me doing that. So, yeah. um, <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was kind of frustrating. I was actually in the bath at that uh, I was Staying, it was in preparation for my fights. I was staying in the bath and I was in, in there, staying at Crown. I was in the bath upstairs and I was getting the live Twitter feed from, from Granny Keyser because I, I didn't have the fight, obviously. So I was just kind of tuning in to see what was going on. It's like, oh man, round one, it wasn't going to round two, he's down. You know, round five, I think he's down again. I was like, oh man, this is going bad. So yeah, it was, <laughs> was like, around, I should be doing that. Danny, uh, you're in tremendous shape. Uh, anyone that has seen you would, would know that. But is there a point where you've got to hang up the gloves? Is What age is it? Because you're 42 going on 43 now. Oh, without doubt, mate. Yeah, definitely. Look, I'm, I'm a spring chicken. And, you know, no, uh, it's no secret that uh, I haven't got long left in the sport at all. I've looked after myself mm. very well and, 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 and stay in shape the whole time. For me, being fit to, to weigh life. But... Um, you know, I don't have long to go, and I only want to have the fight that's going to be, you know, something to, that's going to be exciting. It's going to get people off their off their seats and kind of on the edge of their seats. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you know, the rematch with Mundine is something that I guess so many people have been waiting for, and so many people have asked me about, it and they I know they peppy him about it as well. And he called me out of retirement in 2009. I came out of retirement, and then he ran the other way. We had a, an immediate rematch clause in there um, after the the first fight in 2006. So it's just a matter of him, um, you know, I guess realising that if he is to fight again, there is only one fight left for him, and he's, he has been avoiding it for nearly 10 years. It is the Christmas present that fight fans and sports fans wouldn't mind seeing. Green Mundine too. We shall wait to see what the new year brings. Danny Green, thank you for joining us, as always, on Triple M.
Thanks, Heath boys, and I uh, just want to say thanks very much for the, for the continued support, Triple M. You boys always show me, and have a fantastic and safe Merry Christmas. And just quickly want to say, you know, with my Coward Sponge campaign, this Tommy is so so important just mm. for everyone just to chill, mm. figure out and have a drink and, and, and get a bit loose, just stay cool, stay calm, relax, and just go home with a, with a, with a wake-up with a headache and nothing else, and have a, have a safe and Merry Christmas, boys. Merry Christmas to you too, mate. All the best. We ended the program yesterday talking about how the Christmas deadline for the WADA appeal of the Essendon players, the Court of Arbitration for Sport hearing, mm. was fast approaching. Well, we read today it's looking like mid-January will now be when the Essendon 34, around 12 of them still at the club, will learn their fate. After three years uh, of dragging us through it, we just want to put it to an end. And for a man that did face court this year, it's nice when the summons arrives and you think, well, I've got my date, I'm going to face the beak. I'm going to cop my fair whack and then I can move on. But these poor guys have had it looming over them now for over three seasons. And again, it's going to drag into another preseason. Mm. See the Apple store crashed? Yes, because of Kim Kardashian's Kimojis. This is incredible. Kim Kardashian, uh, lover or hater, you'd be mad not to hate her. Um, she is an absolute juggernaut when it comes to business. They've released these kimojis, so they're emojis that are fashioned after Kim. They include her holding her pregnant belly, uh, her backside, her hanging upside down on a pole. Um, there's the bird in there and a few others. Well, for two ninety nine, you get the series, and it crashed the site, suggesting that they'd been probably over a million sold. There's three million bucks bang up for just putting her name on something. So this is endorsed by Kim Kardashian. Yes, it is. So because I'm looking at it's the... also suggested that it's probably designed by her or suggested to her by one of her people. Well, They're I'm not... looking at the emoji of her rear end, mm. and it's pretty full on. I mean, she she's very proud of that big butt. She is wearing what you would typically wear into a spray tan bed, mm. something that I guess lines the middle of the buttocks and not much else. Just a bit of a uh, bit of a stripe there. Mm. But it's, it's not you wouldn't imagine the kind of thing that you might endorse as part of your kimojis. But but when you think about uh, Kim Kardashian's brand and the way that she's made her fame, it did start with a sex tape. She tried <laughs> to break the internet with her butt. Uh, she's not the most modest person, and I do think she uses her body, you know, to get herself publicity. It is quite an extraordinary world we like live in. Like you do, Seb. <laughs> it's all based on your body and uh, how much of it you show off. That would certainly not break the internet if somebody I think it made, might. made emojis. Julie Bishop is a great user of the emoji. Can you see her... Sending the Prime Minister a couple of Kim Kardashian rear ends? Well, I'd like to see uh, Julie release her own set of emojis. You know, running, power dressing, <laughs> speaking to the UN. Staring. Staring those, those crazy eyes. <laughs> We're going to speak to the Prime Minister later in the program. Is he going to be on? Yeah. Well, it's our last show together. All right. So you get Big Mal on. No show without Malcolm. Do you reckon Malcolm will have a Christmas party, Tony Abbott, last night in the lodge style with the tables and all that? Oh, it'd be very, very high end. Right. Yeah, there'd be marble there, but uh, you know, there, no one would be falling on it. Waiters wearing Burberry. <laughs> Absolutely. Mooney. Love that song so much. <laughs> Love the jingle. I'm pleased, my man. I'm happy to make you happy. We have been following the visiting West Indians throughout the summer, particularly mm. Chris Gale. With who... his hanky-panky bed and his stripper pole in his house. He it's... knows how to live in style. He certainly does, but he has now been joined by his... Well, fellow West Indian and also fellow Melbourne renegade, Dwayne Bravo, who mm. has an alter ego as DJ Bravo. Here he is at Etihad Stadium yesterday. DJ Bravo, DJ Bravo, DJ Bravo, DJ Bravo, champion, 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 champion. Bring it back. Champion. Champion. Everybody knows say Bravo a champion. Uh. Champion. 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 Champion.
Everybody know Chris K. Here he gets going. Beanie a champion, Bounty a champion, Marshall is a champion, Bungie is a champion, Pollard is a champion, Lara is a champion, oh, yeah, Lara is a champion. Don't forget Michael Jordan, Obama a champion, Mandela a champion, Serena a champion, Wendy a champion, Shelly a champion, nine five eight, Bull a champion, Moon Man a champion, Sebi a champion, Hyphen a champion, Triple M a champion. <laughs> it's a good song. Oh, you can just throw it all in there. You can. Who do you think is a champion? <laughs> That's it. Watson. Chad, the champion. <laughs> I do like a verse, though, that marries up Michael Jordan, Serena Williams, Barack Obama, and Nelson Mandela all in the same run. And then he throws in Wendy, who I presume is obviously a, a girlfriend or friend or somebody. I'll tell you one thing. She's a champion. She's a champion. Then 958. Mm. Is it? Is that a rapper or I don't a postcode know. Yeah. <laughs> or just a series of numbers? Uh, pizza delivery service, we're not really sure. But uh, it, he's uh, he's not alone when he decides to you know do a little bit of rapping and singing because you love to do it uh, as well, as as evidenced by singing along there with DJ Bravo. Prefer not to be And we did center. a little bit of a mash-up earlier in the season. Because we we've been doing some breakfast t- for two and a half weeks. Yep. Early on, I was just beginning to like you too. We uh, we did a little bit of a mashup because you love singing along with it. And uh, when Storm Desmond hit yes. a couple of weeks ago, what was the name of the the journalist? Teresa Mannion. Teresa Mannion, very good get mm-hmm. from RTI. She gave all sorts of apocalyptic warnings. <laughs> Don't take unnecessary journeys. She did, and we did this. From Point Cook to the CBD, don't take unnecessary journeys. Hellgrave and Ferntree Gully, don't take risks on treacherous roads. Over there in Brunswick and Fitzroy, don't swim in the sea. Triple M rocks summer. <laughs> Triple M rocks your summer. Sabia champion. One triple three five three. Finish this sentence. Blank a champion. <laughs> At MMM Hot Breakfast You know who else likes to sing To add onto the list of Dwayne Bravo Lawrence Mooney and myself Who? The Pac-Man Manny Pacquiao And he's had a bit to say About the Miss Universe mix-up mm. Affecting his countrymen Who of course took home the crown In the end Pia Wurtzbach, Miss Philippines I'll tell you about that after this DJ Bravo DJ Bravo Champion 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 Bring it back Champion, champion. Everybody knows here, Bravo, a champion. That is Dwayne Bravo of the Melbourne Renegades with his big hit champion. Blank is a champion. Karen from Heidelberg, who's a champion? The same boat. Yeah, no, fair Can you put it in the uh, in the context of the song for us? Sing Can along, you sing Karen. It? Oh, no, sorry. You're, um, it's just in case my children are listening. <laughs> Come on, Karen. <laughs> no, no chance. Oh, oh, we tried. Karen, you're still a champion. <laughs> now, you were asking before in the, uh, I guess, list of names that Dwayne Bravo recites, mm. some of the greats of all time, Michael Jordan, Nelson Mandela, Serena Williams, Barack Obama. He mentions that Wendy is a champion. Yeah, and we don't know who Wendy is. I presume it's like a girlfriend, wife, maybe a sister. I am told reliably, Hyfe, we have a tweet on this. A tweet from Peter Wickerman at PJ Wickers who claims that Wendy is Bill Laurie's pigeon. And have you corroborated that? Well, I'm looking on a website, Uncle Tobia, that claims that Bill Laurie has many champion birds. First was Wendy. She was his first champion. Then there was Wendy Jr. and Wendy Jr. Jr. Right. So it's a tradition with Bill Laurie to call a champion bird or Wendy. his bird Wendy. Because mm. uh, he is a pigeon fancier of great renown. Mm. Got <laughs> Uh, now, from one singing sportsman to another, Champion. Manny Pacquiao, one of the great boxers, the boxer of the decade from 2000 to 2010, according to the Boxing Writers Association of America. And you are a man that knows your combat sports, mm-hmm. Seb Casello. Interviewed Manny Pacquiao, looked into his eyes, actually was one of about half a dozen people inside the top-ranked gym in Las Vegas at his final session before he took on Floyd Mayweather. And could you see... In those eyes, the eye of the tiger. I, I could, but I was completely distracted by the size of his calves, which were, you know, those bollards that they stick up to stop you driving through certain roads mm. around sort of Melbourne parks. They were about double the size of that, just completely thick and round. It was extraordinary. So you can't knock that kind of a man off his feet easily. Mm. Well, speaking of the fight against Floyd Mayweather, mm. Manny has weighed in 
if you like, to the Miss Universe mix-up debate. And he says, remember when I lost to Floyd last May? Well, Pia Wurtzbach, who was Miss Philippines, made a promise to all of us Filipinos that she would avenge that defeat come Miss Universe and avenge she has. She has just fulfilled the promise to the Filipino people. I would have said uh, a bit of a long bow <laughs> parlaying the Miss Universe competition into a prize fight. <laughs> But uh, those Filipinos, they like to stick together. Oh, they They're love it. Manny too. He has, you know, about half a dozen TV shows of different sort of things, game shows, reality shows, building shows. He's big on those networks and he's also a decent vocalist in his own right. Sometimes when we the honesty to mind, and I have to close my eyes. Bring it home, Manny. Okay, well, maybe decent vocalist was a little bit of a stretch. Coming directly to us from the most populist Catholic nation on earth, <laughs> the Philippines. Normally, you're a very supportive co-host and I've enjoyed the last two and a half weeks, but uh, I wanted to talk Christmas carols this morning and you seemed very reluctant. You are a man that enjoys singing. We've established that. It's Christmas time. One of the great joys is to enjoy Christmas carols. Maybe you haven't been asked by the Nine Network to get up there and sing a Christmas carol at the My Music Bowl and so you're a little bit angry at the world. Well, we're going to have the very able host of the carols, David Campbell, on the program mm. a little later this morning. And because I, we've been dubbing everyone with a nickname this morning, we're calling him Soup, of course. Yes. David Soup Campbell. Well, no, you just have to say Soup. Soup. Um, but you... Uh, <laughs> Backflip. Uh, all right, I will let you do this. So long as we play a decent Christmas song like oh, The Pogues. What no, is this, this is, rubbish? This is Johnny Mathis. Johnny who? It's called the Christmas Johnny, song. Johnny, get the hell off this radio station. Hold what? on. Just look, listen to it. The, what the is snow's this rubbish? falling down. Think Northern Hemisphere. This is Triple M. Chestnuts. Moonman. Chestnuts roasting oh, on those. open fire. Vomit. Jack Frost nipping at your nose. Jack Frost nipping. Yuletide carols being sung by a choir. Not enjoying this. They're being sung by a choir. Folks dressed up like Eskimos. (laughs) But I would prefer to spend an evening in the Melbourne Remand Centre than have to listen to this whole song. Well, you might after our lunch today. (laughs) (laughs) That depressing rubbish you played. That is not Earlier was shocking. This is more like it, thanks to Paul. The season's upon us the by the Dropkick Murphys. Browsing. That's more like it. I like the Dropkick Murphys. Of course, they were the theme for the AFL for a while after they were made very famous in. I don't know. The Departed. You know, the oh, song Shipping course, Up to Boston. Yes, I know. Fabulous film. Great film. You know you know the Dropkick Murphys. A man who is anything but a dropkick, though. He's one of the stars of the Nine Network and a ripper bloke to boot. He's hosting the carols on Nine come Christmas Eve. Morning, David Campbell. Hey, Seven Lights. What a, this is such a great... I've just been there. I'm thinking, we should have got David Coverdale and Whitesnake for the carols this year. <laughs> yeah. <been> <laughs> yes. opening, shirt open and the hair flowing back. And thinking, <laughs> you get the Dropkick Murphys in from Boston... It's going to go off. Absolute <laughs> drunk star effect. How are you guys? Very good, David. Uh, happy Christmas to you. I've got to uh, ask point of order here. Seb Costello, he's a fabulous singer. He's an employee <laughs> of the Nine Network. Uh, yeah. Star Cub reporter. Now, why isn't he part of the carols? Uh, Do we know why? Well, we don't know why. And there has been an internal investigation, which is still underway. <laughs> so I can't really say too much more right. about it. It's gone to a, a Royal Commission within Channel 9. Right. But uh, the, co- the, the controversial aspect of this is, is that there is no audition tape or no one can find said audition tape. But Seb is quite willing to put that forward again. We'll obviously take it to the higher power. Yes, I think we get the executive sitting in the chairs from The Voice. And if they turn around, yeah. you make it onto the carols. Mate, who is on... I mean, forget Lawrence. Uh, I think uh, the lineup is probably a lot better already. Who is singing on uh, Christmas Eve? Mate, we got all the uh, the tried and true uh, carols favourites. So your David Hobson, Sylvie yes. Paladino's Marina Prize. But Delta Goodrum's back this year. Right. Daryl, bloody 
Summers is coming back to Carol. <laughs> oh, which I, which for me, Drum, me drumming or singing, down. David? I, <laughs> it's the little drummer boy. <laughs> He's doing little drummer boy, which is ideal. Oh, that's fabulous, mate! That's fantastic. Does Plucker? Do we get a Christmas Plucker? I think Plucker's going to be there. <laughs> I, I think Wilbur. I think I think Wilbur Wild's going to be there because we've got the. In fact, it sounds like just the uh, the the heavyweights of old rock and roll are going to be there. So that means Wilbur will probably be there, which means we might, it might as well be half of Red Faces. <laughs> Mark will have an audition thing. Step one, you just chuck in on well, our Red Faces. There we go. The door is opening. That's the way. But it's always a terrific for Vision Australia. Of course, it's a great cause and raises a lot of money for uh, for that organisation. Yeah, it really does. For vision impaired uh, kids and their families as well. And that's the most important thing. And 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 I, for one, uh, I've been doing this off and on now since uh, 2001, 2002. So I've always really loved it. It's it's a very special night. The fact that you have a little, uh, you know, a vision child that's basically the, I guess, the sort of the, the kid of the evening that is really the symbol of what we're all there for. And, and for us, is the symbol of Christmas, which is not only receiving but giving back a little bit. Mm. Um- one of the great highlights of carols every uh, Christmas Eve is the arrival of Santa. And I just want to say, um, one of Santa's great helpers over the years, Terry Gill, passed away this year. So very sad to see him go. It was very sad. Terry's a real institution. It was his last one last year. He came back to do it, as we know. He wasn't he very was, well when he did it. No, he wasn't. But he was uh, He was super. And he, what a trooper he was. And, of course, Santa will be arriving again this year too. Santa has come back this year... Um, like all great characters like that, he does regenerate and uh, he is he will be back and, and it's going to be even more special. There's going to be a lot of, you know, we're trying to just change up the kids section, which is, has been a, you know, a section which is very important. It's, it's one where the kids basically, they see Santa and a lot of them then fall off to sleep. So there's going to be a few special guests from all around. Kids favourites will be there and I'm going to be in charge of the kids section this year, probably because I produce so many like my father. <laughs> what, what, what number are we up to now, David? Uh, we are, look, we're, we're basically, uh, with a, about 27 or 28, I've, I've sort of lost count. It, I mean, it does make Christmas, I mean, Secret Santa's a nightmare, but, uh, it's, it's a really fun thing. We're hoping to crack 30 by next December. David Campbell is standing at stud if, uh, <laughs> if you want to make inquiries. Oh, uh, well, mate, it's a great, great tradition. Family, sit down and watch it. We all enjoy carols from the Sydney Meyer Music Bowl, and we'll be looking forward to seeing you on it. From the Nine Network, David Campbell, always good to chat. Thanks, boys. Good to speak to you. Happy Christmas, everybody. Happy Christmas. Merry Christmas. The Prime Minister coming up next, Mr Mooney. Oh, I'm looking forward to rubbing shoulders with him. Uh, tremendous man. And, of course, one of the great things about Malcolm Turnbull, environmentally sound first Prime Minister to issue a virtual Christmas card. No paper coming out of that office. Please be upstanding because the Prime Minister of this great nation, Malcolm Turnbull, has joined us once again. He's a good friend of Mr Mooney. And Mr Turnbull, we appreciate your time. Good morning to you both and good morning to you, Sebastian and Lawrence. Uh, Fine names and to you, Hyphen. I like to say your name too. Uh, And of course, you don't have to call me Prime Minister. You can just call me Mal or Malcolm. I prefer Malcolm. Um, And a good morning and a happy Christmas to all of of your triple... Triple M listeners. We have been discussing nicknames earlier today, so you prefer Malcolm? I, of course, uh, like all men in my line, carry the middle name Bly. We uh, uh. all descend from Captain Bly uh, up the Hawkesbury, and that's not a euphemism. And uh, I, I sometimes get called Bly. Uh, Lucy <laughs> calls me Bly in a more intimate moment. She calls me the captain uh, when I'm steering the ship home, as it were. Indeed. Well, Mr. Turnbull, plenty to talk about. Let's start, of course, with your virtual Christmas card. The first Prime Minister to send a virtual Christmas card to the general population. Where did that idea come from? Well, of course, you will remember before I was Minister for Communications, I was Minister for the Environment, and I, I feel very strongly about this. I think Kevin Rudd was right when he said it's the greatest moral uh, issue of our, of, our, of our lifetime. And I think that everybody should be taking the chance now to, to send a virtual Christmas card. No offence to all those people at Hallmark that'll lose their jobs. Uh, but uh, I think that uh, virtual Christmas cards also make it easy. And we live in a time of innovation and disruption and a time where we should be looking to the future. You know, the resources <laughs> boom isn't over in this country, Seb, because the resource 
that is most valuable to us is walking around above mm. the ground, and that is the brain. We're in a brain boom revolution. Mm. It's time for innovation and disruption. Kim Kardashian, Mr. Prime Minister, recently released her Kimojis application on the phone, which allows you to send little cartoons of Kim in text messages to your friends. Mm. Will you mm. be using that this Christmas? I think so. I, I'm a fan of Kim Kardashian. <laughs> I, I don't think she was serious when she said that she was trying to break the internet with her butt uh, because the internet can't be broken. It's, uh, it's beyond being broken by... Of course, the Apple App Store was brought down by her Kimoji, but I don't think that uh, there's any problem with enjoying a bit of fun with an emoji here or there. No, it's I, quite... I like sending the eggplant one around. Uh, apparently it says... Good luck and good tidings to you. I, I actually thought it meant that uh, you were looking for a certain type of contact with the person you sent it to. Yes, you're looking for an intense conversation <laughs> uh, and uh, represented by the colour of the aubergine <laughs> and, uh, and the weirdness of the fruit that it is. Mm. Seb Costello and Lawrence Mooney with Summer Breakfast. The Prime Minister is on the line. Do you want to ask a question, Lawrence? No, I haven't got a... Uh, actually, yeah... <laughs> um, Mr. Turnbull or, or Mal, uh, did you watch the Miss Universe competition? Well, Lawrence, thank you very much for that question. I, uh, I was watching with great interest, but I, I think that now maybe there's a time for Mrs. Universe. You know, we all talk about uh, the mothers out there, the mothers and wives, and uh, I, I certainly would like to see Lucy, uh, my personal Mrs. Universe, go into that competition the swimsuit section, and, of course, uh, all the good work she does for charity. So it's time for Mrs. Universe. Mm -hmm. Good question, Loz. Uh, Prime Minister, to wrap it up, a, uh, we've seen the Christmas card, of course, but do you have a fam favourite Christmas carol or Christmas song that you give a big bellow at this time of year? Well, there's so many great songs out there, and I agree with Lawrence. The Christmas <laughs> song sung by Johnny Mathis is one of the greats. Oh, no. I also enjoy your your Celtic rave, whatever that was, <laughs> by the Dirty Pogues or whoever they are. Dropkick Murphys. The Dropkick Murphys, yes. I particularly like Good King Wenceslas <laughs> because it represents so much that I care about for this country. You listen to the lyrics, Good King Wenceslas looked out on the Feast of Stephen. Mm. When the snow lay round about deep and crisp and even, like my leadership, <laughs> bright shone the moon that night, Though the frost was cruel, we're talking about tough economic times, when a poor man came in sight gathering winter fuel. That's Bill Shorten looking for votes, <laughs> and I'm not averse to inviting him in and saying, come in, Bill, what's wrong with your head? Mm. And uh, good on you, and good, good luck to you all for 2016. Uh, happy Christmas to all of your listeners. This is Triple M. Can you give us a bit of a Triple M rocks Christmas, Prime Minister, to finish things off? Of course I could, uh, and I'll enjoy it thoroughly. Thank you, Seb. Triple M rocks Christmas, and good on the baby Jesus. <laughs> the Prime Minister, Malcolm Turnbull, as always, thanks for your time, and thanks to you, Moon Man, for organising it. For those doing the last-minute Christmas dash. Mm. Got Are you anything? done? I'm just about done. I've got to dash out today before we go out to lunch. Oof, mad Wednesday. In a private location. Yep, that's right. We're going to go dressed as our favourite... Triple M announcers. Uh, <laughs> Who are you going to go as? I'm going to be dressing up as Mick Malloy. Oh, you're going as Mick? Yep. I don't oh. have to change much. No, well. <laughs> Just put a bit of a wig on. Fair enough. No, so. Uh, and you will be going dressed as oh, Jane Gazzo. Yeah, maybe. Yep. Well, Gazzo's been giving me a few fashion tips. She says that the shoe, sockless loafer had to go, and then really? I had to get myself some Chuck Taylors. Yeah, some Chuck Taylors. Chuck. The uh, Converse All-Star um, oh, okay. sneaker. Okay. Mm. Yeah, I'll agree. I know what But you like are. the sockless loafer, don't you? Well, I thought your your look was very summery, uh, very Melbourne, a mm. little bit yachty, a little bit yacht rock. But uh, the, the word came down from on high <laughs> that you're not to be sockless in the studio. As it does at this time of year. Nathan Lyon coming on the program very, very shortly. Also uh, known as Gary. <laughs> Just Gary. I got it right. Just Gary. Just Gary. The Aussie cricket team is on a roll, thanks in no small part to the great man who joins us on Triple M right now. Very excited to have the company of Nathan Lyon. Good morning. Morning, guys. 
Mate, the MCG Boxing Day, is this sort of the grand final for a test cricketer? Uh, yeah, it's definitely up there. Uh, it's a pretty special week. Got all the family down here. So it's obviously Christmas time and to throw the Boxing Day first match on, was uh, it's pretty special. So uh, it's, it's great to be Australian cricketer. You've been in a real purple patch at the moment, Nathan. And uh, just run us through December 2014 in Adelaide. What a what a test you had and a final day. Uh, yeah, no, it was, it was a pretty special special test match. And uh, to win it the way we did was uh, makes it even better. So, hey, uh, yeah. 12 wickets? Uh, yeah, I think that was it. <laughs> oh, you think? I like yeah. it. Modesty. Now, I'm sure you've been prepped for this question, Gary, and that is that... Who opens come Saturday? Is it going to be Usman Khawaja? And then who comes out of the side? You tell me. <laughs> Good answer. I no, suppose he no does. Idea. I mean, look, he makes a century in the big bash on the MCG. You've probably got to let him have a crack at it come test match. But, you know, it's uh, it's been a big talking point. But you've got to be happy. Scotty Boland seems uh, to be really pleased with the opportunity he's been given. Might not actually see action anytime soon, but he seems like a nice guy who's worked hard for the spot in the squad. Uh, yeah, no, it's great. It's good to see him get a reward that all the hard work that uh, Scotty's been doing for Victoria. He's a he's a classy bowler. He's got unbelievable control with the new ball and old ball. So it's uh, great to see him get his opportunity. As a kid, when you pick up the ball in the back garden, off spin isn't the first instinct. So uh, who who were your heroes growing up? Uh, obviously watched Shane Warne. Uh, growing up, but uh, also my brother he was a leg spinner, so I wanted to do something bigger and better than him. And I <laughs> don't have the build to be a fast bowler, so I thought, shit, I've got to do something else. So I ended up getting the off spin. That's fantastic. And Nath, be honest, have you made plans for Monday? <laughs> no, definitely not. Definitely not. <laughs> thought maybe we'd catch Monday you Arvo. <laughs> no, definitely not. Oh, what day is that again? Yeah, yeah, day three, when you guys oh, right. will still be in the trenches against the mighty West Indies lineup. But I'm sure they're going to come out and get you. Davy Warner's been in beautiful form this summer, uh, just leading by example as the vice captain. Uh, yeah, definitely has. Uh, credit has to go to our batters. They've been pretty pretty good this summer. We've scored a lot of hundreds and that's, mm. as a batting unit. I know that's what they go out to do, just try and score as many hundreds as they can. And uh, to set games up for for us bowlers to take twenty wickets, so uh, he's been been a big big step for that, and so hopefully he can come out in Boxing Day and, and get another big score for us. I don't know whether Davey Warner's actually put this story out there, Gary, but uh, apparently he's batting with a heavier bat than the rest of you, a one point two kilo bat. Are, are you using the one point one kilo or the the heavier bat? <laughs> no, my arms can't lift that up. <laughs> so, uh, no, Dave Davey does strut around and. Shows shows everyone his bats, but uh, he's got pretty good uh, hand and eye ability to uh, to hit it pretty cleanly. So uh, I don't think I think he should have my bat and see how he, see how he goes. Well, Nathan Lyon, we uh, wish you all the very best come Boxing Day. The whole country will be watching and cheering you on. Thanks for joining us on Triple M. Uh, thanks, guys. Thank you, Nathan Lyon. There from the Australian Test Team, the first Australian off spinner to reach fifty Tests. Well done, Nathan. So uh, one of the one of the immortals now of the game. One of the great offies. Yeah. So get, say uh, that. if you're not going Boxing Day, certainly get down to the MCG and uh, see him in action. When the Prime Minister was on the line before, mm-hmm. we actually left a tape on, and we have extracted a recording while he was holding that I have really? to play to you next. We now, have... don't you go getting emotional. Yeah. Well. First of all, can I just remind people of Dwayne Bravo, the great Melbourne renegade, who has released his latest tune, Champion. Don't forget, Michael Jordan, Obama, a champion, Mandela, a champion, Serena, a champion, Wendy, a champion, Shelly, and a champion, 958, Bulls, a champion. And Moon Man, we were actually playing that when we had the Prime Minister Malcolm Turnbull on the phone on hold. And it's a very catchy tune, isn't it? You hear it and you immediately join in. Champion, champion. Well, funny you say mm. that because the Prime Minister actually did and we were running a tape on this. Oh, nice one. Here is the secret recording. Champion. Champion. I'm a champion. champion. Lucy's a champion. Everybody knows Christopher Pine's a champion. champion. 
Bronwyn Bishop, champion. Tony Abbott, champion. Julie Bishop, champion. The Labor Party, champion. Australia, champion. Joe Hockey, champion. <laughs> oh, well done, Prime Minister. He's very upbeat, isn't he? He is, and even gave a little bit to the ALP, his mm. great rivals, so well, he's in the I think giving he's, mood. he's enjoying them as champions, <laughs> because they're going to see him cruise into the lodge. Uh, well, Moon again. Man, this is the end of Triple M Summer Breakfast for 2015. Maybe it's the beginning of something beautiful, Seb Costello. It has been a, a real pleasure enjoying your company, getting to know you and riding around in your filthy <laughs> Mazda 323. <laughs> Mate, it's been sensational. Enjoyed it a lot. And a big thank you to you too, Hyphen, for mm. pushing the buttons over thank the last you. two weeks. To our various producers, Sarah Fayor and, of course, Jay Muller. Rosie, Davey Z. David Collins, the best audio engineer in the country. They have all been awesome. And thank you very much to everyone who's given us a bell, everyone who's tweeted us, and everyone who's tuned in. Mm. And uh, happy Christmas. Merry that's Christmas. That's all that's left to be said. And take care. And we'll see you all in 2016. This is Triple M. From St. Kilda Beach to the MCG to your best mate's barbecue. Triple M's rockets on the